Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Larry Yazzie joining us from Jacksonville, Florida. He's a world-renowned fancy dancer, indigenous advocate, and actor. Hi, Larry. How are you? I know. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for this opportunity to share my stories. Yes, it's an honor to have you here today with us. I wanted to ask you about you growing up in Iowa and the tribe that you grew up grew up in. I come from the community called the Meskwaki Indian Settlement. It's the only settlement of its kind where in, back in 1857, um, our our people uh, purchased their first 80 acres, and during the uh, westward push of all tribes, they tried to group us with other tribes in the state of Oklahoma, what, what is now Oklahoma, oh. and that was considered Indian territory. So, But our, our people did not want to stay in Oklahoma, so we came and stuck up to Iowa. So after several times, um, we finally made some allies with some local farmers here in Iowa. So the governor at that time granted us citizenship to to purchase the, the first 80 acres. So now we have over pretty close to 7,000 acres. Wow. And can you tell me about your experience? Did you grow up on the reservation as a child? It, it acts like a reservation, but we always... Um, make sure to tell the world that we're not a reservation. Okay. We're where we own the land. We bought the land ourselves. Where okay. it was where other reservations were, you know, they were forced on reservation land given by the the, the government. So okay. he wanted this piece of land that we that I come from. And so so it's called the Meskwaki Indian Settlement. We are our own sovereign nation still. Wow. Um so we still report to the uh, the United States government rather than state government. Okay. So, yeah, so we are our own songbird nation. That's awesome. So growing up on this community is much like a, a reservation center in Tuba. I mean, we still had have the hardships that came along because, yeah. you know, we really had to rely on government handouts because... Uh, we were very restricted from, you know, leaving our, our land because we're, we roamed the land, right? So we mm-hmm. followed the buffalo. We lived off the, the rivers and the land and just uh, followed, you know, game for our, for our food source. Wow. Wow. And then did you go to school as well there? Yeah. So uh, in my first... Uh, well, actually, my first 12 years of school, and I was bused into, we were picked up by uh, our, our a bus in school, and we were bused into the local town, which is Tama. So that's where I went to school, you know, from kindergarten to high school. And so, but 
coming back to the settlement each each day after school, you know, I, I basically lived in two worlds. So and I lived in the traditional way of the Meskwaki way and and going to a a school, a public school that was mostly, you know, all farmers. It was a car it was a farming community. Mm-hmm. But uh it was it, it was good and mm-hmm. a lot of times, but also it had this, you know, bad times too, you know, being a minority in, in a community. Yeah. Do you feel like other students would treat you differently from where you came from when you were busted? Oh, uh, I pretty much we felt um, I felt accepted in, mm-hmm. in the school system. It's just um, you know it's it's prevalent everywhere as far as mm-hmm. the the racial and uh, experienced racism and discrimination. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So it was it was a bit of a challenge at times, but you know uh, I'm a survivor, yes. and, um, and I pushed through it. But I also believed in my believed in my ways. Uh, as yeah. Meskwaki. Can you share some of the like the strengths from your culture and um, and how the perseverance that you have from growing up in the environment that you did? The perseverance would be our. Our ceremonies, uh, uh-huh. our traditions. I was immersed in the traditional ways of our people, mm-hmm. and man, that uh, we spoke our language. Our language is first and foremost the Musqueam language. That's how we communicate to the Creator. Yeah, and going to ceremonies, our fires. I always say in my speeches and my performances, our fires are still burning in our sacred lodges here in our community. That's how we communicate to the creators through our fire, through our ceremonies, and through our songs and dances, and through our foods. Yeah. And then you also started to dance at the age of seven, was it? Yes, I started dancing about the yeah around six or seven years old, and I never looked back after that. Can you tell? Because you're you're an amazing dancer. I love watching your watching your videos and just how much passion that you have. Can you tell me, like, did the, does the music just come through you or how, what inspires you to dance like that? It's amazing. Well, it just the rhythm, the rhythm of the drum, the rhythm of the cadence of the, of the singers, of the songs, and combining that with the rhythm and the vibration from the drum, it, it, it hits, hits my heart. And, yeah. um, from there, you know, my whole spirit, my whole body just resonates with that song, with the music. So now today, in today's yeah. modern times, I use, you know, contemporary music. I cross over to different types of music, to old rock and roll music, to <laughs> hip hop, to to jazz, to country, whatever it is that moves me and and, and um, whatever has a rhythm, I'll, I'll find that rhythm and I'll, and I'll make it work. Yeah. I know that you tra- you've traveled all over the world for your dance and storytelling. When did that? What led you to all these experiences? Like, what was your first performance that took you out of where you were living to do this? Well, growing up, um, every year we have our annual powwow, which is okay. in August, mm-hmm. and this year I think we're celebrating 
don't quote me, but it's over a hundred years where we're, wow. I know it's a hundred over a hundred years we celebrate the powwow, but each year I always um, anticipated this powwow and mm-hmm. I always look forward to it and getting ready to to dance at the powwow. Just that I just remember the first time I went out there for the very first time, and because our powwow is, is more of a public powwow, yeah, public celebration for the for the for the non-natives to come and, to, and view our powwow. We get people from all over the world to come see our powwows. So I just remember coming out there in the arena and seeing all these white people looking at me, and yeah. I was well just so hyped up and just didn't matter. No, didn't matter what I had on, just yeah. when I had something on to be out there in the in the Powell Circle, uh, it was just a feeling I never, it never left my heart. Ah, oh, that's so beautiful. For high school, did the dancing progress where you started to travel more and do more sharing your culture with places? Because I think, I mean, you've been to Europe, all these different places where people have you come and share your culture. Yeah, after after um, high school, um, I kind of dropped off a little bit. So yeah. I kind of just, just, you know, kind of didn't really um, focus on my dancing. But yeah. I, I felt kind of I felt kind of lost, mm-hmm. and I felt something was missing about my spirit. Yeah, and and so I I came back to Apollo. Yeah, and I said that's 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 it. That's what I'm. That's the missing piece. I need to hang on to this as long as I can. Yeah. So ever since then, you know, just having that little layoff was enough for me to to keep going and and persevering through through life through through uh, song and dance. And I always say I'm dancing through life, which I literally am doing. Yeah. Today. What are some of the stories that you're sharing through your dance? The the good feeling, the good spirit, the good medicine, because. Uh, the dance I I tell I tell the story through my dance, yeah, and people will understand the feeling that I'm feeling. Yeah, I'm getting to a certain uh, mode or feeling of a song. They'll feel that vibration for me. Yeah, and whether I'm doing the eagle dance or the fancy the fancy dance, um, it's it's about energy. It's about spirit. It's about it's about life. Yeah. Could you tell us about what a fancy dance is for listeners who might not know what that is? The fancy dance um, originated out of uh, Oklahoma back okay. in the early 1900s. Okay. And so it was um, the Ponca Nation, uh, the Ponca tribe there, they hold this annual world champion, world champion of fancy dancers. So it goes back to the early 1900s. And so it's a, it's a story about just believing in yourself and, 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 and the warrior, like coming back from a, a battle and just explain yeah. the story through this dance. And sometimes we talk about, you know, the horse, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we have horse hair on our, on our regalia, on our feathers. And so we mimic that horse prince and like the horse. Wow. So every, Every uh, animal that we put on our regalia, we make sure we respect the the animals that we put on. So we, yeah, they 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 come back to life. And then you do fancy dancing, and then also the eagle dance. Is that eagle dance? And I do yeah. the traditional dance. The traditional dance is one of the oldest 
styles of dance known today in a powwow world. So it's a more of a uh, a storytelling dance where looking for the tracks for an animal or the enemy. It's more of a warrior dance. So it's a it's a track and dance. You know, you're telling the story mm-hmm. of uh, of uh, going on for, uh, to a, a successful hunt, perhaps, or you're coming to the territory of uh, of the enemy. Wow. So you travel to different colleges, is it? And like different reservations and different businesses. Can you tell me about like all the different places that you perform your dances and storytelling? Yeah, like right now I'm on the road. So I've made a pit stop at my, my in my community here in Iowa. Tomorrow I'll be be in Albert Lee, Minnesota tomorrow. So, (laughs) but, but I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh-huh. And my my dance has literally taken me to the different corners of the world, from from Japan to Australia to New Zealand uh, to Brazil to uh, Russia to wow. Jordan, the Kingdom of Jordan, uh, Republic of Moldova, and the Middle East and, and uh, Far East. So you've been able to share your culture with all these different countries and different people, and bring that piece from Iowa. All the way yes. around the world that's amazing yes. that's amazing and you've been meeting people from all over the world too and sharing that that's just that's incredible do you have a favorite place that you've been to that you've gotten to travel to people ask me that all the time and i would have to say the most uh memorable dance i did was in, in the in Jarosh, Jordan, and wow. one of the oldest coliseums in the world. So, just dancing in those that concrete stage and that mm-hmm. those slabs that you see at those coliseums, it was one of a it was a once a lifetime for me to feel that to dance on that stage. Wow! And the kind of dancing that you do, it looks like you know your whole body, every your soul, everything's encompassed. How do you? keep yourself fit and able to to keep up with that consistently because i that's crazy to me like i mean that you just how what do you what's your preparation that's a very good question i'm glad that you asked that question because uh, someone my age i'm in uh i'm 56 now so i'm a grandfather oh, so you are? i have to <laughs> you look very young for your age so I have to take really good care of myself. So I'm it's mind, body, and spirit. And mm-hmm. I eat well. I, you know, because I'm trying to set an example for the youth. Yeah. Because most reservations uh, around the around the country, including Canada, mm-hmm. diabetes is very prevalent. Very, um, and diabetes, wait, there's a train coming by. Can you hear it? Yeah. Oh, it's okay. That happened once. <laughs> um. So I'm trying to set an example for the youth, our native youth, because yeah. there's so much there's so much diabetes, drug abuse, uh-huh. alcohol abuse, and so I was once down that road. I myself, I'm I'm living a, a sober life. I, I walked the red road, and um, I've seen the change in me already in the past three years, and it's like I'm taking back some years and adding some youth. Yeah, you look amazing. <laughs> Like <laughs> fifty six, I would have never, I would have never guessed. Well, game, you know, right? We hunt the buffalo, the deer, the elk, yeah. and, 
you know, fish and, and grow our own um, yeah. um, garden. And that's what we do today here in our community. That's what yeah. I've been doing. That's great. Few years is growing my own garden, growing my own vegetables. So yeah. it has really helped me. And because that's our source, that's what connects us to the creator. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you, so you've been traveling all over for dance and then do you also like go to the different reservations and, and mm -hmm. talk with kids and like the youth as well? And could you talk yeah, about just that? Just recently we were invited to the uh, Lower Sioux, uh, Indian community in Morton, Minnesota. Oh, so and that was a tribal event for the youth. So they, they invited me out for a, a kind of a, like a youth summit to talk to the kids and to inspire the kids through my dance. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, have you ever like worked with kids like, you know, privately for dance lessons or, or not you oh, know, yeah. like, yeah, just to, to teach them like the fancy dance or, you know, from their culture and. Yeah, absolutely. I, I teach them all the time. People who reach out to me all the time, I, you know, help them out and give them tips and encourage them. You know, sometimes that's all they need. I know that's what I wanted when I was younger, too. Learn yourself. My late dad uh, okay. inspired me. And he was a champion fancy dancer. Oh, wow. Ever work, like, work together? Like, Yeah, yeah. He's, he showed me a few uh, training tips because the fancy dance as you can see to the video it takes a lot of uh, endurance oh my gosh and speed and skill mm -hmm. to to keep keep up with the beat and also be creative at the same time mm -hmm. so uh one thing that he taught me was to always jump rope so jump rope it helps your timing wow you know jump rope it helps timing and so um that's how you keep in time to the beat of the drum and so he's, you know, taught me that, and I've always carried that all with me and pass it on to my to my kids as well. Now, how many kids do you have? I have eleven. Oh, you do? Oh, and you have some grandbabies as well. I have some grandbabies. Yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah, five grand grandbabies. Now, are your so some of your kids are following a little bit in your footsteps with dance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so cool. I, I, you know, I leave it up to them. You know, I, yeah. Nobody forced me to dance. And I'm yeah. sure I'm not going to force somebody to dance. I just want them to feel it in the heart. Oh, it's amazing. Do you play some instruments as well? I play uh, Native American flute and I sing on hand drum. Now, how did you learn how to play those instruments? Those were all self-taught, you know, just by observing, just like dance. You know, I, I, I observe a lot. Watch. Yeah. I even watch other modern dancers, and I incorporate that into my own dance. Wow. In your community growing up, um, was there just a lot of storytelling and a lot of music and dance? Just, you know, when you got home from school? We'd come together, whether it be for holidays, for Christmas, Halloween even. Oh, wow. Uh, we have our own Halloween masquerade party. <laughs> and so there was always, it was always based around singing. So we use a drum as uh -huh. the center, center focal point. Yeah. And the drum is what I believe is cause the people together. Right. Yeah. Bringing everyone together. That's cool. Yeah. In terms of like people contacting you and finding you to dance, it's just kind of word of mouth that's been going on or how, 
how how do all these people find you? It's, it's amazing. A lot of it's uh, word of mouth, sometimes uh, through social media, and uh, I do have a website too. Oh, that's awesome. I know that you're also an actor and you've been doing some stuff recently. Do you want to share anything about that? Yeah. Um, just over a year ago, I was uh, invited to Romania uh, to act uh, to to act in a, a series called Django. It's a, it's a 10-part television series. Oh. And and right now it's being aired in the UK and Europe, all over Europe on, I, I want to say some streaming channel out there. And I, and I know that I think HBO will pick it up here by cool. the month or next month, sometimes very soon. But I'm in episode seven, so look for. Oh, okay. are you allowed to share a little bit about what you did in that episode, or do you have to kind of keep it on the DL? I play um, a role called White Elk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to watch for you and see. Yeah. Nah. What keeps you just because you, you do live a really healthy, inspirational lifestyle. What are the things that keep you inspired to live this lifestyle that you do? My um, my family here, my mom, especially my mom, is, uh, uh, she'll be 85 this in May. Yeah. She's still working in our wow. community uh, casino. She'll uh, have 35 years. Yeah. She's just showing me so much strength and yeah. she keeps me going. She inspires me, yes. Yeah. And also, my wife does too. Yes, yes. You guys are absolutely beautiful couple. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. I just, I love, I love your guys' energy together. Um, What are some other aspirations <laughs> that you have just with, because you're such a creative person? You know, you you dance and you you know you, you can sing and you can put music and you can act. What are some other things that you see moving forward that you would like to do? I really would love to um, direct my own native film. Yeah, tell it the way I want to tell it. Absolutely. You know, how how I saw it through my own eyes growing up to where I am now. Yeah, because people ask me all the time, you know, um, they want to see more of um, this dance or where did it come from? Can you tell us the story behind this dance, the fancy dance mm -hmm. that you go dance? Um, so I just want to tell it through the lens of, of, a, of a, a native director. Absolutely. And we definitely need that in Hollywood more, you know, native directors indigenous voices from their perspective not a white male director telling yeah. an indigenous story <laughs> um, yeah. we definitely i'm 100 percent. i will back you on directing a film i think that that would be that would be just awesome um so you're in jacksonville but and you're traveling like pretty frequently right i feel like you're yes. hard to pin down like you're, you're there and and you're and you also create some of your own um dances as well just do you do you Im improvise anything that on your own type of at all for dance or is it mainly i, I yeah i do i produce my own uh choreograph uh, work uh, with mm -hmm. other dancers that 
frequently dance with me on, on a larger scale, uh, yeah. larger dance troupe. Because uh, right now we're working on a piece right now that we're putting together currently because we've been invited to Switzerland in, wow. in August. Yeah, we're invited to the Freeburg uh, World Folk Festival. And this year, I think they're celebrating their 50th year. And so we've been told we're, we're going to be the first Native Americans from the U.S. to ever perform at the Freeburg uh, Festival in Switzerland. That's going to be great. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so is there any other places, too, that you have danced that have just really spoken to you or you... You had just a really incredible experience with the people, or you felt like you could really reach the people through your dance, where they were just really receptive and like wanting to learn more. Is did anything, any other places stick out in your head? Well, pretty much all over, but I will tell you that uh, um, when I went to Australia about ten years ago, yeah, I performed with, I collaborated with um, some Aborigines there. And it was very, it was very moving because they have yeah. the same kind of stories, struggles as mm-hmm. we do here as indigenous mm-hmm. people here mm-hmm. in America. Taking, not, taking from their homes and trying to get forced into religions that were not how they were yeah. raised. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I wish, you know, I feel like people don't know about that, but, you know, about the Catholic Church, you know, going in, you know, take native children out of their homes and make them not speak their native tongue and just just how abusive that is and the the trauma that it's caused um so i i feel like people that's starting to be more of a conversation but i still feel like you know that's something that really needs to be talked about and owned and um and i know that that happened there in australia as well sure did about acting do you love like in terms of uh, when you're working on film as an actor, what's some of your favorite? Um, I will tell you this: that really kind of springboard me was the uh, independent film I did in Minnesota called No Blood of Mine. Oh, okay. And and um, it was my first major gig, my first major speaking role. I'm talking like had a book to stick I had to study like yeah going to school and that yeah. was my first experience you know first experience to learn how to to act not just learn how to act but also to nail down the line mm-hmm. and not just nail down the line but also to to be that character to act out those lines so yeah it was a big challenge for me and and I after that I was like man I, I like this because it took me to another part of me that I've never really experienced before so i really enjoyed that and that I've, I've been doing it since just, yeah uh right now dancing has really taken a life of its own and i'm so pulled this way to dance but i yeah. really want to be more doing more acting more acting too yeah yeah because you have such yeah. a you have so, like a lot of people are like you're very in high demand right now i know for dancing and then uh yeah. but i'm sure you know auditions come in here and there and what what kind of role did you play in that movie? What character? In the No Blood of Mine? Yeah. Yeah, I played a detective, Rennie Dupree, the, uh, a Native American detective. Oh, cool. It was, it was shot on location in uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Okay. 
be, you have to check it out. Yeah, no, I will. I'll definitely. Streaming, streaming somewhere. I know that. Yeah, no, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, and you're a part of uh, Jingle Drift. Yeah, right? yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I had a lot of friends. Um, I had worked at a Native American preschool, so I had a lot of friends. And so I was like, oh, you know, I could I could help with it. But someone had asked me about background casting. And I'm like, oh, I have a lot of friends in the Native community. And so a lot of my friends came on board. And so that was really just it was so fun being like, hey, calling up my friend, be like, do you want to be in this movie? And they were just really great at like being like, this is, um, you know, because it was about Ojibwe culture and just sharing stuff yeah. from the culture and i would be like hey guys let, let's talk to my friends and you know they would give really great advice and like counsel on like how to do things to make sure that it was in line with ojibwe culture so mm-hmm. yeah and it was just so fun because i like i loved all the people that i worked with and it was just so fun cool. to be like okay. so <laughs> yeah well larry it's been amazing to talk to you and Thank you so much for sharing your culture and all your creative endeavors with us. You're such an amazing person and you bring so much greatness to the world. And so I am really thankful for you being here with us today.